Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. The Bible defends itself. You can't treat it like any other book. If you're going to defend Homer, or if you're going to defend Macbeth, or Romeo and Juliet, then you've got to study Shakespeare and find out what's going on and what's the deal and what, what, what did that mean and what was going on at that time. Listen, the Bible defends itself. And what are we supposed to do? You and I are supposed to be armed with the Bible and let it out. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. I always find it amazing to me. You can read every religious writing of every religious founder. I don't care who they are. But the honesty of the Bible is unparalleled. People say, oh, I just think a bunch of Jews wrote the Bible. You better think again. Because if they did, first of all, they were prophetically perfect without error. Okay, so that makes it non-human. So they couldn't have written it. But the second thing is, if they did write it, why would they throw themselves under the bus so constantly? (laughs) Notice how honest the... If man wrote the Bible, he sure throws himself under the bus. No, God wrote the Bible. It's remarkable. So, what's the answer to this? Here's a good answer. Jeremiah 3.22. Return, you backsliding children. It's beautiful. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, you do come to me, for you are the Lord, our God. Return to him. Come back to him. Maybe for some of you, you need to come to him for the first time. What about Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18? God says, God says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet red, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see the hope? The honesty is presented before us. The hope comes God says, bring it to me. Bring yourself to me. And then finally, under this point, just when you thought there was no hope, the answer is, found in verse 10, that the Bible tells us where we must start. As it is written, and this is amazing, Paul begins now this 14 case or 14 point indictment. But watch this. This is the Holy Spirit using Paul to quote the Old Testament scriptures. Number one, indictment here, there is none righteous, no, not one. The word righteous simply means there are none who do the right thing. Now watch everybody. You might say, Jack, I am so offended because I do good things every year. I feed the homeless. I walk the little lady from Pasadena across the street. I make sure that there's a homeless thing. Are you, I understand that. I hear that. But that's not what he's talking about. He's announcing that whatever we do, whatever we do, it's tainted on the inside in the motive. We can can all get together and go out and, and fix every problem in our community. And that's good, and so we should. 
you cannot equate that as righteousness before God because God looks on the inside. Why are you doing that? Well, a bunch of my friends invited me. That's sweet, but it's unacceptable to God because those people are hungry. Listen, there's a lot of ministry. There's a lot of parachurch ministries that do a lot of work, but they never mention the name of Jesus to those who they do the ministering to. Look, I'm going to get in trouble for this, not from you, from others. But if there's a ministry that says, um, oh, wow, I'm not going to say it, but there's, there's a big one. Send your money, send your money to us, and we'll show them the love of God. The problem is they don't give them any Bibles. They never mention Jesus. They don't lead anybody to Christ. They feed them, and guess what? In 24 hours or three days later, they're going to be hungry again, but they've never heard the bread of life. They've never heard the water of life. They haven't been given the thing that feeds the soul. When you feed someone's body, you should at the same time feed them there's feed the soul. Listen, when we give people, when you, when you stop and give people uh, food or whatever it might be, that's great, but it's not enough. Give them food and say, now listen, in fact, I think, I'm, I really believe you, if you have the food in your hand, if you've got the, if you've got the jack-in-the-box bag and, the, and, the, and you're going to say this, and I want to give this to you, but you need to know something. Jesus Christ died for sinners. Are you a sinner, young man? Yeah. Do you know why Jesus died on the cross? For me. Do you know what he did after he died? No. He rose again from the dead. Do you love your life? No. Do you want to get off the streets? Yes. Then listen. Take this food. Here's this number. You call, and let's get your life going. But just a hint, let's be honest. I'm just being honest. If we just have food in our trunk, and we just give them food and drive away, and we even say, God bless you, we've done nothing. We've done nothing. We have appeased their tummy for a moment, but their soul is still lost. If we do good works, we need to also watch Forget about the motive because we can never know what our own hearts are thinking. Are you hearing me? Yes. Well, Pastor, I was going to sign up for that ministry, but now you're causing me to reconsider because I don't know what my motives are. I understand the frustration. Those of us who are seasoned believers, we already went through all of that. We wound up waking up to the fact that if we sat around forever while all the ministry was going on because we were afraid to offend God because our motive might not be right. Here's the correct way to do it. Lord, I heard about the need. I can feel that need. I love you, but never enough. But I love you. And here's the deal. Jeremiah said, my heart's deceitfully wicked and I can't even know it. So God, I hope my motive's right, but I'm gonna do this. And you go do it. And you let him deal with the motive in the day of judgment. But to sit, you never wanna sit it out. Because Jesus said to the people who set it out, when he comes back, he's going to say, why didn't you get involved? And they're going to say, because we knew that you were 
you knew everything and you're terrifying. So we buried it in the ground and we waited for you to come back. So we did nothing with our lives. And he said, you wicked servant, depart from me. Don't take your life, Christian, and bury it to play it safe. God hates that. At least get up and give it your all and say, God, you purge my motives because I can't even know my heart. Listen, I don't have this verse right now, but it'll come up in the future. Paul the Apostle himself even said, I don't even judge my own heart. Paul says, I can't. I don't, I don't even know it. I leave it to God. And that's a great way to live, by the way. People will judge you. And we live in an age right now where that's really, that's all that people do. People just sit in their mom's basement with their pajamas on, criticizing people. <laughs> Online, you know, on the computer. You know what Paul the Apostle said about that? He said, I don't care. He said, I don't care what people say. And he goes, in fact, I don't even care what I say about myself. He said, all I care about is what God cares about, what God thinks. Isn't that a great way to live? Can you imagine? Um, it's very liberating to live free. Verse 10 tells us that the Bible tells us where to start. And so, as it is written, there is none righteous, none who do the correct thing, motive included. In Mark chapter 2, verse 15, mark it down in your margins, if you would, of your Bible. Mark chapter 2, verse 15 begins by saying, now it happened as Jesus was dining, eating, at Matthew Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners who sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees, these are the professional religionists, can I just say it for, for clarity? These are the pastors and the priests. Saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. You feel that already coming? It already stinks. They said to his disciples. Notice they didn't say it to him. Uh, See, they, they see Jesus sitting with these losers, and they despise that. So instead of talking to Jesus, they talk to his disciples. I'm trying to find a word that I won't have to repent of. <laughs> Think of it. Very few people have the integrity to go to someone and say, you know, this or that about you. They'll go to everyone else and they'll, they'll make it, they'll make their sin 10 times worse than whatever sin they think you're guilty of because what they'll do is they'll say, you know, I, I don't want to gossip or anything, but can you pray for me? Because I need to go talk to Bob. And you see, Bob, blah, 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 about Bob. So please pray for me. Let me tell you, it's a miracle, honestly, that God doesn't strike people dead at that moment. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yes. It is one of the most grotesque forms of sin yes. because do you know what it does? It takes the person who's hearing this and changes forever their view of Bob. Mm -hmm. And that blood is on your hands. 
instead of just going to Bob, you don't have the guts to do that. So you'll gossip about it, you'll post about it, or you'll tweet about it, and then he has to find out or she has to find out through the grapevine. And don't think for a moment that God will excuse that. Look what these guys are doing. They go to the disciples and say, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Why didn't they ask Jesus? They're sowing, what does the Bible say? God hates those who sow discord among the brethren. Oh, look at verse 17. I wish I could see this. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, <laughs> it goes like this. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Only God can answer this way. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> James, how is it that your master, Jesus, eats with these publicans and sinners and tax collectors. We would never do such a thing. So Jesus hears it. Hey, guys, it's okay. I've come to save those who need saving. You're so proud and puffed up by your self-righteousness. My salvation will never make it through all that. You see yourself as healthy. Don't worry about it. I've come to save the sick. These tax collectors and these common people, they know they're sinners. That's why I'm eating with them. You guys can save yourself. That's what you're bent on doing anyway. I didn't come for you. I came for them. I mean, he burns them. And he does it, though, only the way God can do it. It's so polite. You know, it's... It's okay, guys. I've come to save the sick. Oh, yes. Well, that's nice. No, you're the sick ones. <laughs> but they couldn't even see it. He actually gave them a parabolic answer. He cast truth right alongside them, hoping, by the way, always doing this. And we'll end with this. It's horrible. We'll end with this. Look at this. Look, look, look. He, uh, he ends with this, para, to cast alongside, parabolos, para, parable, to cast truth alongside the head. <laughs> Jesus says, I've come to save those that are sick. And th that truth just lands right there. And they could go, Yikes. Um, I need salvation. He's just equating all of them with us righteous people. Uh, I'm going to take the bait. And you bite like a fish takes the hook. One person does it. And the parable lands on the other side of some other guy's ear. Same truth, right? Same exact truth. In the sanctuary, 
Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He rose again from the dead to set you free, to guarantee your salvation, that there's salvation in him alone. And by you putting faith in what he's done, he'll save you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ died on the cross and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Watch this. That truth just landed between each and every one of you. And one of you will say, what was that you just said? It's called the gospel. I never heard that before. I thought, I knew he died on the cross, but what do I have to do? I was supposed to do something? Nothing. I've never heard this. I like it. And you said he rose again from the dead to guarantee my salvation. That's right. Wow. I want that. The very next person sitting next to you heard the exact same thing and says, this is ridiculous. When is he going to end this? Right now. Father, we pray right now, Lord, that the truth of your holy word would go out and have its effect. I'm, I'm reminded right now that Billy Graham said, as long as he's faithful to preach the cross, decisions will be made. Some yes and some no. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener-supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected. Free.